Today on Dare to Develop, we have Sarah K. Love with us. Sarah used to work for The Knot and is an expert on all things publications. So we're diving into how to curate a submission, what publications are looking for, and how to curate those relationships. You're listening to Dare to Develop, a podcast for creatives. I'm Christine Herman. And I'm Ashley Baumgartner. And we are two hybrid wedding photographers that dub ourselves work wives. With a passion for developing community and daring to take risks in business and art, we want to bring you along on a journey. The journey of artists, makers, business professionals, and more who want to level up their businesses by daring greatly and developing community. So let's get started. Today on Dare to Develop, we're so excited to have Sarah K. Love with us. We can't wait to hear from you about developing a strategy to get published in the wedding industry. Thanks so much for being here with us, Sarah. Thanks guys for having me. So before we get started, Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about you as well as your business and just give us a little background? Yeah, definitely. So let's see. I moved to New York when I was about 10 years ago and I ended up getting a job with Nigel Barker. I was a fashion photographer and I did everything from production and um, studio managing most of his clients, bookings, photo shoots, things like that. And then from there, I ended up going to InStyle and working more in the marketing and advertising department. And after about a year at InStyle, I kind of merged the two and then I pitched at The Knot and I was a photo editor there for about five years. So I did everything from curating real weddings and styled shoots for the magazine for the regional and national publications. And then the other element of my job was, um, so we produce anything from the fashion, um, still life covers, features, things like that. And then really within the last year or two, I ended up kind of marrying uh, the two uh, with more of the brand partnerships. So kind of working with different brands with a knot, um, with other brands and seeing how they can kind of work together. And from there, I, about two years ago, I uh, left New York and I started my own company. So I have a creative agency now that does mostly branding and brand consultations, as well as digital marketing. And a large part of that is within that digital marketing sphere of trying to sell yourself and making sure that you have a brand that is, you know, and and how to get yourself seen is really from curation with, you know, your website, Instagram, social media platforms, as well as getting published. So making sure that anything that you're submitting within those, the images that you're showcasing are really what they need to be. And essentially how you can take those 50 images from getting published that you submit and work them in all of your marketing channels. So I've been doing that for about two years and it's been a journey. It's a good journey, but it's been a journey for sure. Love it. I know I'm going back to the Nigel. Did you work? Did you do any America's next top model stuff with Tyra? (laughs) With Tara? No, I actually, it was, he was leaving at that point. And so he was doing less and less on the shows of recording, but a lot of that was getting more into, he ended up doing a lot more fashion features and photographic for things like that. So I think, I think the coolest person that I met on set with him was with Coco Rocha and she's, uh, she was, a, she was a model for a long time. She's awesome. I think she was on as a model. Don't quote me or record this, like just like <laughs> completely blip this part out, but no. So that was kind of out. That was 
no America's Next Top Model, which actually, I, it was actually great because there was a lot of different avenues that he was doing just within, again, I think he was pushing more into, you know, himself as a brand as well, too, because mm-hmm. he is. And so it's been really awesome to kind of see, you know, he did some brand partnerships with Nikon and Taylor Swift. And like, right when that was happening, like he was doing a marketing campaign with Nikon and he shot Taylor Swift with these Nikons. And that was like, that was really a highlight of my life um, on a lot of different yeah. levels. Um, so yeah. That, yeah, that is awesome. Uh, that's definitely been one of my pandemic binges has <laughs> been America's Next Top Model. Yep. Oh, you've got to, so. you've got to. <laughs> I love it. So let's chat a little bit more about your creative business and kind of the submission side of it. So you talked a little bit about how you were used to work with a knot, but how do you work in submissions currently? Can you talk a little bit more about what you do for other creatives and how you assist people? Yeah. So a lot of happen times, what happens right now is I am finding a people don't know what they're submitting and it kind of is twofold, right? Because, you know, I've worked with amazing photographers and the best in the business where they just don't have time to do it. So it's easy to do it for them. Right. So they just want to outsource, but they know what they're doing. Right. And then the other side of the coin is, you know, photographers that just are getting started and they're really just needing help overall. A lot of times what I find within my business is that most photographers just get too attached to their images in general. And so it's really hard to take a step back and say like, this is actually a really great photograph or it's not a great photograph. I just liked how I felt in the moment, or I didn't like how, what was happening in the background when I took this picture. So I don't want to use it, even though it might be a great photo. So a lot of where I come in is a making sure and kind of curating and getting that attachment away to make sure that we get the best image. And then the second is making sure that they have all of the images that an editor needs from one standpoint of when we look at a submission, because we don't need 500 photos or a full gallery. We really just need the best photos. And we always know as editors that there are going to A, be more images of the couple. (laughs) So like having that and setting the scene is always going to be important. But at the same time, like really making sure that the images tell a story. And that's kind of how I've done it within my business of helping photographers, again, tell the story with their photos, of not only for submissions, but then how to make those images that we curate and we find and utilize them on other platforms. So you can really get the most of their content and of your content. Yeah, super helpful. I think like you said, us as photographers, we get so attached to the emotion of the photo. Maybe it's not the best, or we're like, I just love this couple or anything like that. So I think it's super helpful to just have somebody just from an outside perspective come in on that. So when it comes to the capacities you've worked with publications, how has that, I'm going to start that over. Do that again. Okay. In what capacities have you worked with publications in the past and how are you still working with them currently? Oh, how have I worked with publications in the past? Okay. So as far as, and how I'm doing it currently. Okay. So I'm sorry. I'm like, I was an editor. Okay. So, so basically what I did, you know, so at the knot, a lot of my job was that curation of either going and finding and actually going in and why SEO is important. And I'm sure we'll get to it is I will actually go out and find as an editor, we will go and research on blogs, try and and Instagram hashtags, however we need you to actually find content that's going to work. And then the other element is either going through and calling through submissions, you know, it's emailing photographers to see what we get back and then going through all the that were sent to us and figuring out what works best. So that is something that I did 
And it's just kind of continued within the sense now. So a lot of that is working with clients to make sure that we have the images that they need. And then within the submission process, a lot of times what we need to understand and what they, a lot of photographers need to know as well is you have to figure out how and what publication is going to work best for them and their brand. Because a, a lot of different publications just have different styles. They have a different niche. And so submitting an engagement session to a blog or any type of publication that doesn't have engagements anymore, there's you know no point. And same thing with style, right? Junebug is a very different style than Martha Stewart or Stanley Pretty. And again, we can go down a different rabbit hole of how publications have been changing, but within the sense of helping clients understand where to submit based off of their work and kind of finding their niche for them. And there was, I mean, I guess this is also, you know, a lot, another part of my business is potentially submitting for them. I'm doing much less of that now, just because I do believe at a certain point with photographers, it is important to establish a relationship with the editor. So a lot of that is either, you know, part of it is hiring me is, is establishing that connection for them. Again, there's a thousand different ways in order to do that and kind of get that connection, but I am doing less submission on the back end and more of the, the work behind the scenes of making sure that they have everything packaged and ready to go. And then they can send it out to establish that connection, which I think is important because that will just continue to fuel and, you know, staying in touch with the editors as well as figuring out what they actually need is they're going to have a better time being able to do that. Yeah, I love that. And I love how you said the relationship is so important. So kind of diving deeper on that, why should creatives, wedding creatives be interested in even being published? Like what are the benefits? Like why should, why is this a goal that some people focus on and some people don't? Like where does the benefit or the desire come from, you think? No, and I think it's a good question because I think a lot of time, and we've had so much change within, you know, within publishing and just in general, but a large amount and especially kind of, and it's so funny because I've had multiple discussions just as, as far as what ends up happening in terms of whether or not you should be getting published within blogs and if that should be where your main source is, or if it's, you know, completely changed just because at the end of the day, everything has really changed as an industry but and again you get to a certain point in your career and you kind of know the system at a certain point so it's like okay what should I still be focusing efforts but what I will say is when you are starting out just in you know in general within where you are within your business it's important because at a certain point you know 95% of couples thanks to two bright lights 95% of couples actually go online to plan a wedding right they're they're going on pinterest they're going on um, google they're going on these blogs they're going on different platforms so they're using blogs as a really a main source and a main source to plan their wedding and that's how they're finding vendors right and so there are you know, so first and foremost, that's just the easiest way to get to your, to your target audience. But within that as well, you're really establishing brand awareness for yourself because your name needs to be seen seven times. And I think it's actually changed to 11 to 14 times now in order for something in for a bride to register it. So it's establishing your brand awareness. If your name is getting seen over again. It provides credibility within the industry you know, within other photographers, with other planners, if they get your work is published, it establishes credibility for couples within it. It also establishes SEO. It helps you attract a higher end client. You gain re higher revenue because of it. It's a whole, we have a lot to talk about. Yes. <laughs> 
Love it. And yeah, I love how you talked about how it's, it can be really beneficial, especially when you're newer in your business because of just all the different ways it helps get your work and your creation out there into the world. Because yeah, the internet is huge and there's so much content floating around and the more people sharing your work, the more chance it has to get in front of a potential bride. <laughs> Definitely. And I think even with they, these brides know these publications. So when they come onto your website and they see that you've been on them, it just gives you just a step up on them, just knowing that you're a professional. Exactly. And, you know, I think there was, so as of 70% of couples end up actually qualifying whether or not they're based, or their work is published or not. Interesting. That 70% of the couples that are planning their weddings, they will choose a photographer that's been published or a photographer that hasn't been. Yeah. Which is huge. So it's also one of those things of, okay, I should. <laughs> and I always think that I'm like, we should probably start on that. Yes. <laughs> Make right. it a priority. Right. And yeah. um, so if somebody is looking to get published for the first time and they're not quite sure how to start, do you have any tips for them for that process? Sure. So there are a few different ways that you can kind of start going about it as far as just before you even get started is really kind of understanding the publisher's brand right and as we kind of discussed you know does your photography really match the style of the publisher thinking about the frequency of features you know is it something where it comes out every six months to a year does it come out twice a week on a blog you know are you comfortable um, with when it potentially would get published and then, you know, again, are you comfortable with the exclusivity policies? Because a lot of times, you know, if you get published on the knot or style me pretty, a lot of times, or at least within print, a lot of times um, you can't submit anywhere else. So it's making sure that you're comfortable with potentially not submitting other places, or if you want to just kind of do a big chuck a ton of boxes and push it out to see who you can get and get that SEO up and rolling. Two Bright Lights is also probably the best way to do that, but, you know, trying to get that up and rolling and kind of going from there. So I would say really making sure that you kind of dive into understanding the publications of where you're submitting first. And then from there, then you can kind of say, all right, I know this is, I know I'm submitting to Junebug. I know I'm submitting to, you know, Geraldine. I know that this is what I want to do. Here are, and those are two different photographers also. But then you go about getting your images. And when it comes to images, it's really making sure that it's a hundred, you know, 80 to 150 photos that show the breadth of the wedding and nothing more. No full galleries. That's the biggest uh, huge mistake that I see is that they just send over the galleries and have the editors come through. I am three to three to four seconds. I'll know a if I'm publishing a wedding just based off of the images alone, but also at that point, I don't have the attention time, like time span or attention span to like go through all of the reception to see if there's details, right. Mm -hmm. Of like what's actually telling. So really curating that properly is important. Love that. And then do you have any tips for writing this submission? I feel like that's another place where a lot of photographers or planners who are, or whoever is doing the, the submission process get really hung up on. It was a beautiful day. They had a great wedding. You know, everyone was so happy. It was so pretty. Like versus are you looking for a story? Are you looking for minute 
you know, details about the details, like why they chose a fabric or a color palette or, you know, what are the kind of things that people should focus on as opposed to, it was a beautiful day at the boathouse and. <laughs> totally fair. I think a lot of what ends up happening is we're looking for inspiring images, right? A lot of it is new. And a lot of times as an editor, we get questioned, what do you want? What are you looking for? And a lot of that is the celebration of personalization. It's really kind of figuring out what and who is unique to the couple and how they planned that into their day. It's, you know, local content is also amazing depending on, you know, where a lot of publications can be based locally and regionally. And so having that access to local content and showcasing those local elements is really important for helping to tell a story. Having you know image variety as well as is also important. A lot of times we just shoot vertical. So making sure that we have the, the breadth of that. But a lot of it, a lot of that is really, is really just kind of making sure that you tell the story, sure, sharing how the couple met, sharing if the, the tidbits of, okay, if they met at a boxing ring, you know, and then they had little, I loved this wedding. It was a couple of years ago, but this couple met at a boxing um, class and for, they got married at the boxing studio. And then all of the little escort cards and little gifts were in their lockers right with like a little boxing gloves and stuff so again like that's really cute and that you wouldn't understand why they were doing it at this place unless you actually a knew the story and told it that way so again having those personal moments a lot of it is like how and again how each image essentially and that we feature is important to the editors because how is it important and how does it inspire couples that are planning their wedding Right. We don't necessarily, and that's the thing. It's like, we don't necessarily always need to stay in the same color palette, the same venue. What makes it stand out is how is it different from what other couples are seeing right now as they plan their wedding? How is it going to you know, keep them inspired? And would this pin, like, would this photo like be pinned on Pinterest? Would it be, would it go viral on Instagram? You know, like certain elements and that way of when you're picking and choosing and when you're writing the submission, sorry, back to that. But again, like understanding that and then being able to understand those elements and putting that in the submission pitch is really important. And just really telling those stories, working with the planner, if you're a photographer submitting, working with the photographer, if you're the planner submitting and making sure that there is this cohesion between the story and the images that you're showcasing. Yeah. It sounds like the why is so much more important than the what. And I feel like we write the what, like what's, we just write about what's in the photo, but not why it's in the photo or why it's important to the couple. So that's a great reminder for all of us. (laughs) No, I think it's just funny because I think there was so much, even within when I first started my job, right, as a photo editor, where I would read the articles in the knot, and it would be, it, it's of the couple, and uh, the couple story, and I would choose, I'd select the images that I think would work best for the magazine or for this, for the post, and then the story, and again, there'd be a couple times I'd just get lazy, like I got really good, you know, and I'm just like, oh, okay, I'm just gonna pick my favorites out. There was this one time specifically when I first started, where there was a, the bride had jewelry like it was really beautiful uh, jewelry from her grandmother and the whole it was just this beautiful and she paid you know so much honor to through her grandma throughout this whole process because and I didn't add a photo of the jewelry or a bride in a jewelry like it wasn't at, at all you know and so it was one of those things in the first couple months and they were like did you ever read what we ended up deciding to put in the magazine I was like oh 
I should do that as well. You know, like, okay, yep. That's also, it's not just pretty photos, yes. um, but it really is again, because we do. And again, as editors, and I even do that and I'm not even, we get attached to the work. We just see something cause it's pretty and it works, you know, overall, but it's not necessarily telling the story and evoking that emotion that you want when we're as editors, what we're trying to kind of showcase too. So anyways, fun story. Yeah. <laughs> I never forgot after that, you know? Are you looking for an informal way to get to know other industry peers as well as learn from top educators in the wedding world? There's a new app called Clubhouse that's right now only on iOS where you join verbal chat rooms, can ask questions, and can make awesome connections. Yes, we hop on there a lot with our guests and talk about their topics as well as other wedding industry discussions. And you can follow me at Christine Herman or Ash at Ash Baumgartner. Love it, love it. So do you have any tips for creatives who want to set themselves up for success when they're submitting? So I think a lot of it is, you know, again, starting to figuring out what is important to the story to tell it when you're showing the images, right? Of setting that up for success, talking with the planner, getting the story. A lot of times I talk to the couples. I have, I've now make most of my clients when we're doing that, getting questionnaires from the couples and asking specific details or moments that they really liked and that they know that they needed to incorporate in the story as well as the images. So that's really important when it, when we start off is really telling that story. And then really after that, it's really just making sure that the images that you include are going to be successful, right? So it's making sure that it's only 80 to 150 images. We really like to see around hundred that tell the overall story. The images should be in chronological order and the same sequence of, it's the same sequence of the wedding day. I cannot tell you how many times as editors, we actually see images from, you know, the getting ready to, and then it's the rehearsal and then it's into the reception and then it's the ceremony. I mean, they're all, it should be in chronological order. So just setting that up for six with a number of images, chronological order, and then, you know, the images that you include should be highlighting each of the, each of event from the day, right? So within that, you know, potentially a few getting ready for the most part, editors aren't using those as much. We use that as more of um, the detail shots. So the stationary flat lays, any bouquets, again, shoes, any of accessories is really the detail shots. And then the couple, when it comes to the opening image should be of a couple and it really should set the scene for the wedding of what I'm about to look at, right? So a lot of times, and again, there are a lot of different ways of how publications actually submit and what they want in their photos. But for me, it was something where I like to see two to three images of the couple and they are at Rocky Mountain Oaks and they are overlooking, you know, the beautiful mountains. And I know that's setting the stage of where, of when, and how the rest of the day is gonna take on. I already kind of have a feeling of what it's going to look like, right? So kind of seeing that and then going into the rest of the images, we don't need a hundred photos of the couple. I know you got them covered, right? <laughs> it's like figuring out your favorite ones and then showing me the other ways, you know, like showing me a cake, making sure that the images have a coordination of, you know, coordination of color combinations and making sure that each of those images sh showcase those color palette, the color palette. So bringing that cohesion together is going to be important. But I would really say it's making sure that you have a variety of images that match the story. 
And that really kind of helps showcase this, what you're going to be, what you're going to be looking at and how you're going to tell that. A hundred percent. And I like how you said, I know we all get caught up on it with too many pictures of the couple (laughs) definitely is a vice of a lot of wedding photographers. I feel like, because, you know, those are the ones we're so excited to post on Instagram and, you know, put in their album and all of that. But can you share a little bit about other common mistakes you see people making when they're going to submit? I know that's a big one. And, and you talked a little bit about, you know, the, knowing the style that Junebug's looking for something different than Martha might be, but (laughs) not setting the full gallery. <laughs> but are there any other common mistakes you see? As far as common, it's a good question. I mean, again, like potentially I've gotten, you know, for a while we, at the not we did, we accepted engagement photos. And so we had like an engagement section and then we didn't and we still got them. And it's like, okay, we haven't had them for a year now. You know, <laughs> mm, I don't know if, you, you know, it's one of those things like, have you looked at it? Like, have you seen what's happening right now? But again, then we have how they asked. And so that's actually the perfect platform, right? And so we just kind of shifted over. But again, when you're trying to establish that relationship with the editor, it's also one of those things of keeping up to date. The other element is a lot of times just how in submissions there are, again, you're telling the story, but it's the same, it's the same images over and over, right? It's like, I want a hundred photo, you know, it's a hundred photos, but you've got 10 of the couple, 10 of the ceremony, 10 of the rehearsal, and our reception and then the end of the night, right? There's no, there's nothing in between. And even though that tells the story of the day, we need to see the details that kind of make it that story come to life, right? And a lot of that is those transitional images because you don't go from the ceremony to the reception. There's a cocktail hour. And so having a potential, and again, like even if it's not the most beautiful reception that you've ever seen outside in the French, you know, Riviera, okay, no big deal. But do they have a signature cocktail? Are there people that you can kind of interact? A lot of times we get caught up in telling the story, seeing the couple, seeing the details, and then we just forget there are people there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like you pick your 10 to 20 favorite images and then you're like, oh cool. Like were there any was there anyone there? You know? So again, <laughs> I think it's the transitional images of a cocktail hour, signature drinks, are there games, escort cards. Getting those transitional images in between the day is important. And I cannot tell you enough more and more now we're seeing more details, which is great. Invitation flat lays, you know, shoes, all of that, which is incredible. For a long time, it was just throwing the invites on um, the ground of the pavement and shooting them. And now it's another level, which is incredible. It helps tell the story. But then the other is the cake. So a lot of times what ends up happening is we, how you round out submissions a lot of times is it's a beautiful story. And we will choose weddings based on which cake is better. There have been moments that that has come down to, right? Because the color palettes are great or sort of similar. The feeling is the same, but like which cake is cooler? Like there's sometimes that will end up happening and which one was shot in better light. So a lot of times is, and again, that's the rounding out. It's important to the vendor. The cake is expensive and it is a huge element that couples put so much time into. And a lot of times we glaze over it as photographers. So it's important that um, we really shoot that in good light, showcasing it to them. I suggest if we can get it in natural light, if it's busy in the background, we have, you know, using back, background backdrops, flat lay backdrops. I'm just like to try and do that. And 
just putting it behind the cake and taking the picture, mm -hmm. right? Because then it goes into the color palette of the rest of the wedding that you've already used. You've already used the background and all the plot lays that you've done. So it continues that color coordination and the story that you're telling and highlights the cake really beautifully, not only for the vendor, for the bride, but also as a viewer, because again, is this cake going to inspire future couples while they're planning? Yes. And it's a great way to round out and tell and finish the story at the end of the night because that's the last thing, kind of one of the last things that you do. Mm -hmm. So I know it probably depends on market and, you know, what tier of the weddings you're into, but are you still seeing a lot of cakes with like a lot of the personalized desserts or, you know, kind of more unique dessert offerings there are out now? Are you still seeing a lot of cakes? I'm just curious because I know like- yeah depending on the budget of the wedding, you know, a lot of couples have opted to go with like a little cut cake and then desserts. And, and I know that probably depends on the budget and, you know, the style of the wedding, like a ballroom wedding would probably be more likely to have, you know, a large cake or anything like that. So just curious if you're still seeing that as with submission. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I think the other part of it too, is we're seeing just more within different variations, right? So it can be customized cookies and then we're, you know, it's dessert bars and popcorn bars, s'mores, all the fun stuff that can essentially be within desserts and people are getting more creative for sure. A couple of years ago, the cheese wheel cakes were really in, you know, with, with all the cheese, which is always really fun to see. So again, always trying to, and as editors, we're always looking for the next thing right? Is like what's after, because the cheese wheel is going to go out of stuff. It's already, no one's doing it anymore. I mean, maybe they are, I don't know. I'm seeing less and less of those, but then you're steering more into alternatives mm -hmm. um, of the cake and, and different ways that relates to the couple. I've seen, I saw like a root beer float, like everyone got root beer floats. That's um, fun. <laughs> and again, it's so much fun that they like went for one of their, you know, first or second dates, they ended up getting root beer floats and they had their whole you know, all their guests did that. So again, just finding new avenues um, to create a story with the couple as well as the dessert is important because a lot of times it is intentional. My sister did, I'm trying to, I, I really should find the vendor for her to do a shout out, but for, she's getting married. My sister's getting married and she is planning her cake right now. And one of the things that they're doing is they she designed this beautiful cake. It's amazing. It matches the color palette, has flowers that she wants, the whole thing. But then the back of the cake is just a very adorable photo that they illustrated of their dog. Aww. And so when they, and it's at the back. And so when they cut their cake, it's going to be a Reggie, their puppy, which is so cute, you know, and it's a nice little, it's a little ode to the dog. And again, a really fun fact to add to the story too, of like, also her fiance is like, I know right where to cut it. Like I'm very OCD and I'm like, where it needs to be. This is not styrofoam, you know? <laughs> um, and kind of making it in, in a, a fun story within that too is always a, is a good thing. Yes, yes, love that. I love how you talked about the flat lays because a lot of people forget that like, okay, maybe the cake is put in a place where it's not the prettiest or you're like nervous to move it because you don't want to break it. Just putting up that flat lays such a great option as well as bringing over even I've done it where you put spring centerpieces over and you just kind of fluff it up to make the cake look even better so love that so I'm curious I know that print is kind of disappearing sadly is there any in a lot of times could be the photographers or the planners don't want the photos to be shared until after the submission. Is that still something that's super important that photographers should be telling other vendors not to share? Or is it kind of like you can share on Instagram and uh, blogs aren't really caring about that as much anymore? 
so basically what we're saying is we want we want photographers to showcase their work, right? We want them to be able to do it. And so a lot of times when it comes down to it, they can share it on their blog, right? If they're not submitting to other publications, right? But they can share on their blog they can share on their Instagram. What we typically say is if we know that there's an image that's gonna go viral, like it's an awesome cake or it's an incredible getaway or a session, or if it's an amazing ball gown or bridesmaids are in awesome dresses, whatever it is. If it's that moment that we think is going to go viral on Instagram or it's going to blow up on Pinterest and see seen a thousand times, a lot of times we just ask to refrain to not post. But again, I think having, again, we're not, it's having that marketing outlet for them and having that on their own blog and their own personal channels is important. It's really just kind of being mindful of you are submitting for it to be shown and we have a lot of eyes. So that's how we kind of do it within that of just kind of being, being aware of what you share isn't going to break the internet because we want to do that with you. (laughs) That totally makes sense. Love that. So I know we talked a little bit about this earlier when you were um, talking about how over time you develop a relationship with the publication and you might be able to then ask like, Hey, what are you looking for? But what really are those first steps on starting to cultivate those relationships? Because I think a lot of us get stuck on like, well, I either submit through the process that just their website says, and I never really have personal contact with an editor, or I don't want to blind email someone because, you know, they have their network and I'm just, you know, a little pebble in the sand of their inbox and they don't have time to respond to. I mean, I imagine, I'm sure editors don't have time to respond to every single person that asks them, Hey, what are you looking for? So we would love any tips on just how do you start that process? if, If that's something that's new to you. Yeah, I think it's a great question. I think there are a lot of time where Actually, our inbox doesn't necessarily get flooded with questions, right? Again, like we have a set amount of time and whatever else, but, you know, a lot of times I think it's just taking that step that people think that it's happening all the time. And again, if we don't respond, then we're really busy, but at the same time, you know, definitely trying because a lot of times I actually found it helpful. And a lot of the interactions of how, when I first started getting connections with new photographers is they would email and they would just ask questions. Hey, what are you looking for? You know, within, when are you posting next? When's the deadline? That's the simplest thing. When's the deadline? I have this awesome wedding coming up. When is the deadline? When do I need these images to you? I can easily, we can all easily get that too, but that opens up the dialogue, right? So when the deadline is, and potentially when you do submit and they say no, asking for feedback, super simple. Again, continuing to just find those avenues of creating a dialogue is really going to be important. And then the other element is that we're, it's very different because we're in an age of social media. So you can also start to interact with them very easily on social. And it is a really great way because that's how we also find our content, right? So whether it's just following them, liking a few photos, a lot of times if they follow you, that's a way that they're looking at your feed. But again, I think it's that interaction on social as well. They start to see your name. Again, you got that 11 to 14 times before an editor needs to see your name before they start kind of getting getting it together. So it's a great way to also prioritize that relationship of, getting just continuing to reach out and, and see what they need is really helpful. 
that's great advice yeah I think we get caught up that we don't want to bug so much but like even just like just replying back like why not like just what can I do better next time even if say they didn't reply at least they you did it so and your name might yeah. show up in their inbox even if they didn't have time to reply and that's another time they're seeing your yes, name <laughs> there you go. yeah yeah and I mean I think that's the other element too where because it does, if you're not getting published, like that's a whole other rabbit hole. But a, a lot of times what ends up happening is like, we just, it's a variety of reasons. It might not even be, it's not. And most of the time isn't because the wedding isn't good or that your photography is bad it, or whatever else, you know, it, it really can come down to, you know, diversity of the couple, of the geographic location, of the color palette. We are choosing you know, images and weddings that work together. And we can't have, at least, you know, in print, you can't have five to six weddings with, that are all in California as much as there are beautiful locations. And you can only have one blush color palette. (laughs) Um, So, (laughs) you know, so then after that, you know, which is like, okay, that's one down. You're trying to find all the other elements that kind of work together and that feel and look different. Having fresh ideas. You can't have two venues that are the same. You can't have two ballroom weddings. So it's like mixed and matching a lot of times of figuring out how they work together and what's going to work best. So if you're not getting published it really can be a variety of reasons and the same thing when it goes to online into blogs it's you know they're only posting a couple you know to how however many they're posting a week and they have to make sure they're different so and again on 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 brand for the publisher so I do think within there is a variety of reasons why it potentially isn't happening so it might not just be because the wedding isn't good enough for publication. It really can be a, a, mag, a multitude of different reasons. So not to get too discouraged when work isn't getting published right away. And when editors most likely do email back saying, actually, we really love this wedding. We want to hold it. Actually, can we hold it for the next time? We actually think it could be great for the following week or a month or you know the next publication that goes in print. Having that ability to be able to do that. But for the most part, it really is just making sure that not getting too hard on yourself if it's not necessarily working right away, because it is such a variety of reasons that, and having that ability to kind of ask is important. Mm-hmm. Such a great reminder for everybody out there who's submitting. So what is one thing you wish your clients knew before curating and creating a submission? I know we kind of touched, but I mean, that, that really is the number one thing, right? Because I think there is a part of it where if you understand as a photographer before you go in shooting a wedding what that story is of the couple, it's going to be easier for us to tell the story through through your images. And if you don't know potentially the color palette and you don't know the theme, like if there's a theme or whatever it is associated with it, you end up getting a hodgepodge of images that aren't working together cohesively. So it's understanding what the couple wants to see, how you want to share it, what the planner has been working for and all the other vendors, because what ends up happening is if you understand that, then when we look at the images and we only are looking through those hundred or 150 that we have, that's very laid out very cohesively and chronologically of what that is and how we can easily decide if it's going to work for us or not. And again, it's, I think that's, it's part of, you know, being an editor for so long where you kind of just like scroll it through and you know if it's going to work or not. Mm-hmm. But again, it's the same thing. If I'm not even going, even if it's a great wedding, 
if it's still not laid out or there isn't a story associated with it or the images from the wedding aren't telling enough of the story and capturing it, there isn't anything for us to tell mm-hmm. as a publication. Yeah. And I think that's something a lot of us, again, get caught up in is we are so pretty picture focused that mm-hmm. we lose sight of that. We lose sight of that in that it needs to be a story that inspires future couples, not, you know, reinvents the wheel or, you know, re-says the same thing that the last three stories said. And so I think that's just great to have that clarity. And like you said beforehand, to try and get that clarity beforehand with the planner of like what some of the stories that informed the design process and all of that too. So thank you so much, Sarah, for all of your insight. We really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. We'd love to hop into a time of fast facts to help our listeners get to know you. So just the first thing that comes to mind. So kicking us off, what is your favorite tool you use in your business? Canva. Ooh, love it. What is your favorite snack while you're editing per se? (laughs) Working working on submissions. Working on submissions. (laughs) Working on submissions. Gummy bears. Mm, Good choice. What is your favorite pump up jam to get you in the creative mindset while you're working? Anything Taylor Swift. (laughs) (laughs) And I know you have that connection. We're so jealous. (laughs) What is your... Basically anything. I think we probably her new album right now is really like hitting home for me. Yeah. Love it. So what is your favorite thing to do outside of work? Cook. Good choice. What are you cooking lately? (laughs) So yesterday I made ratatouille. Uh, which was amazing and definitely turned on Pixar Ratatouille because I had been on a slew of, you know, Netflix shows and whatever else really just everybody is dying and it's sad. And I just was, I got to that point where I was like, I just want a happy ending. And so turned on, got subscribed to Disney plus shouting out. And then I just went down, I went through soul. We did Moana. I did. And then we did Ratatouille. Then I was going to do Ratatouille the next. I was like, I'm going to make Ratatouille. So I did Ratatouille, which was great. And I've also been doing lamb chops. I'm trying to like perfect this herb garlic salsa that I've got going on. So why is the best education book podcast you've learned from recently? Recently. I would probably say I love uh, Mistakes Make Magic with Catherine Guidry. She always is inspiring, but also just in the sense of the uh, and then Brene Brown, and it, I guess this is twofold, Brene Brown, The Power of Vulnerability, just the two simultaneously, because I think we kind of get so wrapped up of thinking what we're supposed to say and do and hear and everything. And it's really nice when we have, you know, we all struggle with a lot of these things. And so having that reminder of being vulnerable and being able to connect with others and being able to connect with others in those vulnerability and in those insecurities, I think is important. So I definitely would say those for sure. Recently, as of recently. (laughs) What is one daring leap you've taken in your business or life? Business or life? Leaving the knot. Yeah. I think that honestly, I think that's a huge, it was a huge part. It was a huge part of, you know, my business now and my life because it really did define so much and of who I was. And, you know, there was so much that came from, from that of like, okay, am I, you struggle with imposter syndrome. Am I going to be good enough? Right? Like is, if people are going to care what I have to say, if I'm not at the knot anymore and all of those things that kind of come along with it. And it definitely was leaving, but then it was also 
continuing those relationships and then starting my own business and seeing how I can make those relationships work in a new way. It was terrifying and scary and, you know, ultimately has paid off, but looking back now, you know, I'm like, this is great. This was a great idea. Like while I was in it, I was like, oh my gosh, what did I do? (laughs) Yes. That moment where you leap and then you're like, oh, what did I do? (laughs) Yep. And I know we kind of all, we all go through that, uh, you know, as independent creatives and as creatives, when we're kind of leaving our day job, it's scary. Yes, absolutely. What is one thing you feel like you're great at in your business, Sarah? I would say I really, I think I'm good at connecting with people and because I want to get to know them. I want to get to know my clients. I want to know what makes them tick and their likes, dislikes, and I want to be their friend. Right. So I think there for me is, you know, I hope that I'm good at my day job of everything that I'm doing and curating and all of those other sense of the world. But I do find um, for me that I feel is that I think I'm good at, but also I think is important is the connection that I have with others. Mm-hmm. Love that. Just the genuine connection. Super important. So where can our listeners find you? Instagram, website, clubhouse. Woo-hoo. Um, <laughs> uh, yes. So all of my usernames for all of those, including website. So Instagram, clubhouse, Twitter, Pinterest, my website is all Sarah K Love. So it's sarahklove.com, S-A-R-A-H-K-A-Y-L-O-V-E. And uh, so all of those platforms, you can find me. Love it. And before we take off, are there any special announcements or offers you want to share with our listeners? So I definitely have a few that we can, I can share with you guys. My first is that I did as of recently just ended up creating a shop where you have a submission guidelines uh, as well as an email template for editors that I have in my shop right now. So it really covers the basics of everything that you need when you're putting together a submission, as well as an easy kind of copy paste and plug in form when you're emailing the editors to kind of get you started. And so that's the first thing. And I'm offering 10% off right now. And I'll list those codes with you guys. And then I would also say Two Bright Lights, they're an incredible platform and resource when it comes to submitting to a large amount of publications. Thanks for sharing that with us. We'll put it in the show notes. We highly suggest everyone check that out. And then in closing, what is one thing you want to dare our listeners to do after listening to your episode? Submit? I would say, and I would say not necessarily submit. I guess it would it'd be submit. And then it would also be like email the editors. Mm-hmm. like connect like try to start a connection because that is in my mind the scariest thing because we can all submit in different ways you know you can kind of go to the websites and you can easily do it but I think potentially daring to submit and see if that relationship can be formed absolutely we love that well thank you Sarah for sharing all of your insight on submissions and curating not only the submission but relationships with publications too we really appreciate it thank you guys it was amazing loved how Sarah's main message at the end of the day was to find the story and to focus on the story, whether that's in your writing, when you're writing about the wedding day, your curation of the images and how that's what editors are really looking for, a story. And then that will help inform 
what they choose to put in their publication mm -hmm. too. Yes, I think that's really important. And I feel like Sarah gave us so many great nuggets on how to submit. And if you haven't submitted before, I think it's super important to start. Remember Sarah said 70% of couples will choose someone who's submitted over someone who hasn't on their website. So get out there and do it. Yes, take her dare and we can't wait to hear your success stories. Thanks so much for joining us today on Dare to Develop. We'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a review if you love today's episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at daretodevelppodcast.com and follow along on IG at Dare to Develop. Catch us next week for more fun as we hear from creatives who have dared greatly in their businesses and develop community along the way.